Okay, folks, welcome back to uh, the Sweet Life podcast. No, no. <laughs> We've already been through this. Uh, which is it? It's the Life is Sweet podcast. The Life is the Sweet, life is sweet pod- podcast. Yes. John and Jill's Life is Sweet podcast. The podcast where everything goes well and no- nothing bad ever happens. Correct? <laughs> yeah, that's how life works. That is how life works. There is definitely no unexpected changes uh reality doesn't just like come up behind you and like uh, whack you over the head with a two by four um (laughs) and Uh... when that happens you certainly don't acknowledge that it happened (laughs) and if you and uh, if you have to acknowledge it it means you you overcame it somehow folks we are here to uh as you may have guessed talk about changes some transitions and uh some ups and downs that have been happening since the last time we recorded an episode a few weeks ago ups and downs um yeah that's how it happens should we start with ups or should we start yeah i think we'll start with the ups um so since we last recorded we both managed to get vaccinated which was nice um and then I landed a permanent teaching position. Woo-hoo! Also good. Um, so we had, I think we got about a week and a half of basking in that. We had that. about a, yeah, a week and a half of good feelings. Good vibes. Um, it's nice to, t- to have a break for some good feelings. Yeah, so we had a bit of a vibe break there. Um, <laughs> and uh, But then... Of course, as we know, uh, things come in threes. I'm not sure what the third, what the third good thing was, but we, we didn't had, have one. I guess they were just two big good things, and then we got um, the corresponding batch of three bad things that rolled along uh, and disrupted the vibes. Yeah, absolutely, um, totally. Uh, when we said that we were vaccinated, though, we should clarify that we. Uh, got our first shot. Yes, we live in Manitoba. We're not fully vaccinated. Hardly anyone has um their second shot. Uh, as of now, we're recording end of May. I think it's about a hundred thousand people have it, and the population of Manitoba is like one point. Is it one point six or one point three million? It's just over a million. Yeah. Um. Yeah. About a hundred thousand people have their second shots. Uh, just over seven hundred thousand have their first shots and as we're speaking um manitoba is in the midst of the third wave of the pandemic um yeah may 29th 2021 and um we have the highest covid rates in north america right now so yeah we're number one uh unfortunately right now made it into the new york times for the worst reasons that's whenever whenever Winnipeg makes the New York Times. It's never good. It's never good. Not good at all. So we had some good vibes, but um, of course there's still um, a lot of not good things happening in the province and times are tough for a lot of folks. Um, so we're here to more just talk about some of the, the not so good things um, that have been going on with us and how we've been coping adapting rolling maybe not so coping with those things um and just acknowledging a lot of the things that we are 
lucky to have in our lives that allow us to do those things um, and to to start to bounce back. I think today is maybe the first day we're both feeling a little more bouncy than we have been. Well, it's also Saturday. Yeah, it's Saturday. It's we've, Saturday afternoon. <laughs> we've each had a few extra hours of sleep uh, for the first time in a while. We've had some coffee. We had some breakfast. The weather is nice. The weather is, is beautiful. Some rain. Yeah. Some rain flew by in the morning. It's easier um, to feel good today. Yeah. You rearranged the sunroom. Mm-hmm. I took a shower. I shaved my beard into a mustache. Always good vibes uh, when that happens. <laughs> so just, yeah, feeling good. Should also note that uh, John is currently wearing a Burton Cummings t-shirt that also has a mustache. So we're really doubling up on the good mustache vibes today. True. Um, yeah, so I guess the first sort of... Do you want to say of... what... Uh, I made this shirt. Yes, John made this shirt. This is a original John Craker design. Um, imagine, if you will, Burton Cummings' face... Um... Um, I'd say this is like early 70s era Burton Cummings. Um, he's got his mop of hair um, and he's got a mustache, but he's starting to get a little more. Uh, the face is starting to uh, round out a little like more. Mid 70s, late. Yeah. Late Guess Who era. Yeah. Um, but uh, underneath uh, it has John's original slogan uh, that we should keep it Cummings. Um, and so this was uh, one of John's lockdown covid christmas um crafting projects i was making cross stitch um john designed his own personal burton cummings t-shirt we've had 15 months of pandemic here in manitoba everyone is uh posting about all we've the all amazing got new projects skills. yeah we've all doing. developed Everyone's some new skills here. reskilling mm-hmm. leveling up and then um trying to make everyone uh, trying to impress everyone on Instagram with, <laughs> with all the new stuff that they've learned how to do. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm just making a silk screen of Burton Cummings' face. It says, keep it Cummings. So to- completely squandered all the, all the reskilling time. <laughs> uh, if, if by any miracle somebody... And we started this ridiculous podcast. Yeah, if by any miracle somebody else <laughs> listens to this uh, and you want a t-shirt, uh, can make that happen for you. <laughs> you'd have to reach us somehow <laughs> somehow um i don't know how you would do that <laughs> uh but john will kind of kick us off with talking about the um um the the first of our batch of three things uh okay, that were not yeah. so fun we got three things that's enough fun that's <laughs> enough keep it keep it down don't get too excited this is we're talking about bad things here okay the three bad things. The rule of threes. My aunt died. Jill had some uh, scary medical news. And then, to top it off, our cat died. This is all, all in the space of like a week. Yes. So, so John got it us hasn't started been here. Fun. No. Um... And it's, uh, it, uh, re, um, it gets you thinking. Yeah, absolutely certainly does so my aunt died and uh it was that was not unexpected no it was to be expected but like grieving it it highlights like grieving grieving in covid times is completely 
different. It's yeah. all messed up. It's um, it's alienated from regular grief patterns. There's everything's interrupted. You don't know what to do, and especially like in um, in a relative death where you have a relationship with the relative, but maybe it's it's not super close. Like an aunt is not as close as uh, as a mother, uh, for instance. So you're not involved directly with the family family grieving process you're sort of you get the news and then you get the details about what to do and then that's about it if you have an in-person viewing it's very regulated yeah um, and at this point in the pandemic the funeral homes really know what they're doing they've got their live streaming set up they've got arrows on the floor um they've got the whole it's all set up uh it's like back to being a well-oiled machine but you really don't get that um moving through the collective grief ritual process that you normally would and and earlier in the year in december during the second wave my aunt one of my aunts also passed away um so um a little bit similar in that uh there was um a viewing for my parents um but no live stream for the funeral so even even less um and you i guess you get to go visit um like we had the opportunity to view um your aunt and see some family but um you're not sitting in a space moving through the part where you cry the part where you celebrate the part where you go to lunch and eat some sandwiches and talk after. Um, and uh, it's a real loss of that, um, that ritual. Yeah. And I am, I'm a ritual guy. Rituals really, really help me to sort out, to know what to feel and how to feel and to process things. And um, it's why we have them folks. It's really literally why we invented rituals. For people like me, <laughs> and all and all of us, you're not that special. <laughs> I guess not, but um, yeah. And then, uh, but we don't have those anymore. We don't have these right now. Um, the funeral itself um, was over uh, Zoom or whatever. We just call it Zoom now. Over the, I was watching a screen on the internet, and then suddenly there is, you know, my cousins talking about losing their mom and you know my mom that are my my own mom talking about her sister and and all that stuff and i'm like sitting on the couch by myself in my pajamas at <laughs> like 11 in the morning you you don't dress up to go to an internet funeral no and i i went to work because it was it was so strange to think like oh do i take the day off of remote teaching to attend a live stream of a funeral like it's it's knowing what the protocol is was just um i didn't i didn't know <laughs> really what to do yeah and i think that's something good i mean that's something to keep in mind about like we don't know what to do i mean we know when we we don't know how to act in these circumstances yeah people are dealing with everyone's dealing with trauma and grief and especially during the, the pandemic and some people handle it better than others 
and but loss of ritual loss of that that uh those grounding actions and relationships and uh and things is really like inc- incredibly tough and uh it's like you know the death of my my aunt which i see who i would have seen maybe once or twice a year anyway but like having um a closer relationship with with her and other relatives when i was a child um like uncles and aunts cousins and grandparents and stuff all that stuff is gone it um there's no family gatherings there's yeah. no people stopping by there's um you have limited interactions on on social media um and that's it but it's like someone's been deleted from your life yeah uh and you and it's like it would have it's like they're not dead yeah because there's no there's no nothing coming next yeah and i i when i took um probably one of the best classes i ever took in university um was on death dying and the afterlife and uh one of the big takeaways i took from that was somebody talking about how to really fully move through the grief process you um at the very least you have to move through that full year in which that person is no longer present at the usual times right you you've got to yeah. move through a full season of of holidays of certain and i mean it depends on the closeness of the loss right it's it's if it's somebody that you live with day to day that's you know much different than somebody you only see at the holidays but either way um that grieving process doesn't begin to feel like it's something that you've moved through until you go through that calendar year and now you know even for me, my aunt died in December and it's spring now and she lived in a different part of the city and my I catch my brain still thinking of that part of the city as being where she lives because the last time I saw her, she was alive and she was there. There's no funeral um, and there's been no family gatherings where she's not there. So it's... It just feels like the the grieving process is stunted or stalled, and I mean, for both of for John and myself, this is these are people that are much loved, but weren't necessarily part of our everyday. Um, and during COVID, of course, you have people losing family members that they live with, um, and not being able to necessarily um, go through these important rituals. Mm-hmm. Like it's another thing that where like our COVID response here in in Manitoba and perhaps where you live, uh, like is really, um, dehumanizing, um, a lot of us because it's, um, like there is, because it does alienate you from, from, um, from processing grief in our usual in a humane way. Uh, there I think there is a way to to do it um even during a global pandemic but we don't have it uh we don't have it here like could you like imagine having a family member a close family member that gets covid goes into the hospital goes into the icu you don't you they go through the doors you don't see them again yeah it's done well and i have and then a... you don't even then you have a really disrupted uh 
funeral or whatever, or yeah. a not present funeral, and then they're just gone. And there's is it over? people making choices. Um, a coworker of mine has a family member who probably should be in the hospital dealing with a late stage cancer, um, but has been told that if they go in, they won't come out. And so exactly. they're trying to treat at home, delayed treatment, um, all of these things. So in, just in a very small way for us, certainly not to the extent that many people in Manitoba are, or, and around the world are dealing with COVID. We just had that that little piece of the strangeness of, of grief and trauma uh, during the pandemic. And that was sort of our our first rolling piece of the, the rule of three. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, goodbye, Aunt Brenda. This is also part of the grieving process too, mm -hmm. is like talking about it, talking about it and, and like letting people know, because this is not an isolated experience at all. Um, my Aunt Brenda was really, really great to me. I have lots of great fond memories. I will like miss her. I'm not the most vocal person talking isn't my strongest suit um but like she was mild and introverted and quiet like me and i always knew it and it helps for an extremely sensitive kid to have uh, a mild to have mild family members and <laughs> spicy family members it takes all kinds and uh anti and uh it's good being like a bit of an odd duck that uh um being an introvert in a in a family of introverts uh knowing that there's pe other people like you and uh i think auntie brenda was one of those yeah so. just a lovely lady absolutely we'll miss her yeah and um number two number two <laughs> so we're going in right in order of importance uh no no there's this no is chronological order. Order. Just chronological this is chronological order. Okay, so right order. after that so i came home from work um i knew i had received a couple of packages that day so i was very focused on mail like good mail coming it's fabric i had I don't even know because I got uh, distracted, but also there was a letter from Cancer Care. Uh, everyone's favorite mail. Um, but I actually just thought it was uh, something about like a regular checkup because that's usually what you get is you're like, oh, you need a pap smear or you need um, a mammogram. And I thought, well, <laughs> I think I'm a little early for the mammogram, but maybe yeah. there's some sort of like regular test I don't know about when you get to your 30s. I got the, well, I checked the mail. I saw the letter. It said cancer care on the front. And I thought, oh, maybe Jill, I thought like maybe Jill made a donation or they want money or <laughs> I don't know. Is there like, uh, or like a lottery or something? something like yeah. That? Uh, I was like, no, oh, there's actually extremely important information in yeah, this. Yeah, so as it turned <laughs> out, it, there was some important information. I'd, I'd gotten my usual test um, like, in yeah, spring it's, break. In a letter. I yeah. guess we'll get to this, but like, there's no phone call or email yeah, or anything. Yeah, so here's, so, this whatever. is kind of what was happening, was I, I um, had sort of my, my annual, or not annual, I guess it's every three years you get um, your pap smear, um, and... I'd done that in spring break and I heard nothing back. So as I have every time I've gotten tested, been like, cool, must be good. Must be all clear. Not hearing anything. 
And then a couple months later, I got this letter saying, actually, no. Um, and should, of course, lead with this, I'm okay. I, uh, right. it's, a, it's a preventative procedure that I need. Um, so I've just got some abnormal cells, but uh, they're the sort of cells that, given uh, a little bit extra time, would absolutely get up to no good uh, if you- if They you would just, kill you. If, they, if you just let them uh, do their thing. So um, I got this letter and was like, uh, this seems like a phone call kind of thing. Um, but again, to circle back to the pandemic, uh, my doctor's office, um, some staff have moved and it sounds like some newer staff have been trained on the job rather than receiving the training that they actually need. Why would these things have been ha been happening? <laughs> yeah, so due to staffing issues in, in the medical field and, and all of these things, um, and of course, uh, human error, um, no, no harm meant, um, but just, um, a worker who didn't have the, um, necessary training, uh, from their employer, um, sort of marked my results as, oh, well, doctor will follow up with you. Like when you have a, a follow-up appointment, I had an allergy appointment, uh, at the end of May. And, um, so I got the letter, called my doctor, and was like, uh, this seems like a thing that's urgent. <laughs> um, and so she got me- Your doctor agreed? Doctor agreed, yes. Um, and uh, so, which is good. She she followed up and, and um, I have an appointment now, a couple weeks from now to get uh, all of this dealt with. Um, it's fairly common. I know quite a few women who've, who've had to do the same thing. Um, and, uh, go get the, go get the naughty cells, uh, dealt with, um, and out of there. <laughs> uh, but of course it was just Sounds, a bit of a, uh... a shock to the system, I guess. Um, I, I, again, very lucky have not had to deal with any, major medical issues in my life so far that's you know that's a real good thing and again yeah knock on wood um we are very very lucky to live somewhere that even though the system could be better there's many things that need to happen but we do have access to healthcare that is free at the point of service um and uh cancer care is a well-oiled machine um, they are at least like looking out. The reason they sent me the letter was that nobody had followed up and they knew I needed to be followed up on. So that was good. Um, and then got me in as soon as possible. So, uh, it was mostly just a real, a real shock because we've thought about kids and thought about getting started on that. And it was like, oh, wait, what's up here? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not like either of us are spring chickens either like <laughs> this is it, um i'm 40 um doesn't matter how old jill is but like we're i'm younger she's younger than me yeah <laughs> that's always will be too um we've um, we've been waiting for the permanent position and it was um... like a lifetime of bootstrapping pretty much up until this point to get to a point where you feel secure enough financially secure enough materially secure enough to think about uh reproducing it's not uh like it probably would have happened much 
earlier. Yeah. Um, had we had like uh, we've been ready. To do we, so. Yeah, we've been ready for a while mentally. Mentally, uh, but um, we were waiting for that permanent contract, and uh, this is five years of of teaching um that I've been waiting. So, yeah, literally two weeks after I got my permanent contract, uh, we got this letter, and it was kind of like okay. <laughs> Blamo. So just like another th- another thing. Yeah. Like, ha, ah, you wanted to have kids, did you? <laughs> well, we'll see about that. Yeah. So it's just, it's a pause. Just gotta just gotta uh, get this dealt with. Um, but also, yeah, and it should be noted, like there is a, a pan- there's a pandemic angle to yeah. this too, because like directly because Manitoba is um, so hard hit by the pandemic right now, where lots of other places you might be listening, you might be over with the pandemic by now. We're like in in the third wave. We're like, in it. Worst in North America. We have we're sending COVID patients out of province to get yeah. treated because our ICU is over. Well, and we're so lucky that this is something really minor. Um, it's not. It's something that can be dealt at a with at a clinic level, which is not where the medical system is is finding issues. Um, but so many people waiting for surgery or who have life-threatening issues are not able to get that care right now. Yeah, and it's um should be like stated and noted like that one of the direct contributing causes to the delay in you receiving you this information is directly due to the healthcare system being short-staffed and staff being uh overworked and undertrained yeah um because of it and that is directly due to budgetary constraints that are enforced upon it by um our by the provincial government yeah absolutely So, like you can follow this thread through and it's um it's shocking for us because you should have gotten that information weeks beforehand if not you know in april i should have in april yeah a month beforehand and like this is like a time sensitive thing mm-hmm. um but like luckily the system functions still functions enough at the lower levels at least um yeah we're able to get what we need but um, but that's not the case in all circumstances yeah yeah and i'm i'm sure if you're if you are listening um you may know someone who's waiting um or somebody who is on the list for uh, a more elective surgery that's having it pushed back, something that would contribute to their quality of life that is now they're waiting, waiting, waiting again. Um, So that's feeling, uh, it was a shock to the system, but, you know, after some reflection, um, feeling lucky in a lot of ways, especially once I got that appointment set um, this week. Yeah, universal healthcare, folks. Yeah, it it's could be thing. better, but it's uh, it's it's sure a good thing that when you got it, you'd be sad or dead if it didn't exist. One of the absolutely, two. absolutely. <laughs> um, I know I would literally be dead if it. Well, didn't exist. I, I think about that. If I even if I had to pay money to, you know, get the the testing done right, that preventative testing. Yeah. Then this would be a problem that you wouldn't know about until it was too late, Absolutely. which is the case for so many people um, in in the U.S. or around the world who don't have access to healthcare. Absolutely. I mean, I have 
like I have asthma. I've had it since I have a kid. I was a kid. I was able to get it treated when I was a child for free. Um, I've had like a catastrophic leg injury <laughs> like a decade ago. Uh, I have a steel rod in my leg because of it, uh, all for free. Um, if that didn't exist, I would be crippled. Yeah, absolutely. Um, literally um, not be able to uh, walk or certainly not uh, walk functionally. Yeah. Uh, also, um, I have I have eye issues, like incredible right. eye issues. Yeah. I come from a family with, with eye issues. My retina detached uh, last year. I'd have um, like emergency retinal attachment laser surgery mm -hmm. all completely free and in a timely manner and um who knows what else like yeah exactly as we're getting older and all of these things if right i if i had to pay for all three of those things that i just mentioned i would either be dead or i would be um i would be certainly unable to work i would my quality of life i would need care yeah and if the care didn't exist i'd be like uh i'd I'd be living with family members or homeless or something like that. Makes you think. Okay, well, moving on. Uh, there but for the grace of God or there but for the grace of universal health care go uh, we all. Uh, and moving on to number three in the trinity of horrors. The uh, the closest to home, I would actually say. The even, worst. Even though the, one of the things was in my own body, this one was actually <laughs> um, much closer to me spiritually, I'd say. Um, our beautiful boy, our, our little companion. Um, His time, our cat Gene uh, has left the world. His time yeah. uh, among us has ended. He's been called back to the mothership. Yeah, very suddenly, uh, last weekend, I was sitting with him, and um, he was very yellow. Uh, and that's, of course, never a good sign for humans or cats. Um, signals that there's some bad things happening with your liver or things are not happening in your liver. Uh, so, being experienced cat owners... Um, we took him into the vet. Um, yeah, here's a cat owner tip. When your cat turns yellow, take him to the vet. Yeah. So we we took him in and, of course, knowing but not immediately uh, accepting that this is probably it. Um, we they Our vets are very lovely. They tested him um, and... Of course, reported that yes, his liver was not working properly, and uh, it showed up that it was abnormally shaped and quite large. So the vet, um, of course, presented some options around palliative. And there was care. a blockage visible. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it wasn't really working properly anymore, um, and uh, you know, presented some palliative options. Uh, but ultimately, it was a case of delaying the inevitable, and uh, both of us believe pretty strongly in in not allowing um, our our pets um, to suffer. Yeah, like the palliative options would have given uh, it would have been prednisone, steroid, and uh, anti nausea medication, and um, it would have been for us, not the cat. Yeah, he would have been the Walking Dead. 
uh, he would have perked him up, got him eating, and would have put him somewhat back to normal for a couple weeks or a, or a month or two or something. Um, and in the middle of the summer, he would have just dropped dead because yeah. uh, his liver was shot. Yeah. And that is not a kind or humane thing to do to an animal or your own psyche. Yeah. So it was uh, very unexpected. He'd been kind of tired for a few days, but um, until we, we saw the yellow tinge, we didn't realize that it was... Um, Anything that serious, uh, he's very, he was very fluffy um, and it's been quite warm. So we thought perhaps he uh, had gotten a little dehydrated or something like that, which is a good reminder if you have cats, uh, they like to hide their symptoms until they can't anymore. Um, and, and even the smallest sign that they're feeling a little off usually means that uh, there's something up. Um, yeah, we learned that with... Uh... The hard way with uh, one of our previous cats. Yeah. Uh, who was named Poutine. Shout out to Poutine. Anyone who remembers Poutine was Wonderful a great cat. cat a yeah. Russian blue. He mm -hmm. was extremely mild mannered. He's very gene like, except a little bit more chill. Kind of like a like a like a dog, like a just like an old loyal dog. Very much <laughs> yeah, just doing They're his own similar. thing. Yeah. Yeah, kind of just doing their own thing and uh, kind of interested in what you're doing, but not too much. Um, but yeah, Poutine was, was also a beautiful soul. And he got sick and um, we let him linger too long. There probably wasn't much we could have done anyway had we caught it. But still, we delayed taking him to the vet. Mostly because we were poor yeah. at the time. Uh, and so... Uh, it was probably like a couple weeks before we were like, oh, wow, this cat is really sick. <laughs> um, it was instead of, um, well, he just kind of seems a little off, but, you know, we're not going to, it's a couple hundred bucks as soon as you step into the vet's office. Yeah. And we just simply don't have that. So we can't do it. We got to, then you go to the pet store and buy all these like remedies that you think are going to work. And of course, none of them do. Your cat's just straight up dying. There's nothing you can do about it. But. Yeah. So we we knew this time um, what the choice to be made was. It was so diabetes it was, the first time with poutine yeah. too. This and, is a feline li lymphoma yeah, with gene. Yeah. And it manifested as a mass in the liver. Yeah. So uh, we made the choice. It was real tough um, and very out of the blue and unexpected after a tough week. Um, but... Uh, Rather than delaying it, um, we we chose to put him down that day, um, and I don't want to say put him down and say like release him from yeah. the mortal coil. Yeah, <laughs> let him go. Um, so I I went in and I uh, was with him, and then I was know. I couldn't handle it. Yeah, it was too much. Really, just need one person in there, anyways. So I said, I said goodbye. Okay. So solid. Uh, I actually don't know if I've ever cried that much in my entire life. I'm not a crier. Uh, very I much. Am. Yeah, you comes more easily to you, which is honestly a good thing. Uh, but I, it's, I have a tough time crying. Um, but yeah, I by say the end of the day on saturday um my eyes were 
uh like they hurt <laughs> they were sore um it was tough he was uh especially through the pandemic being home so much um you know he is a big part of our our everyday uh rituals and life um and interactions and yeah a king among cats he was um he was a roommate to me when jill went to uh Cirrus to teach for a year yeah it was me and gene and justin <laughs> my brother here at the house and uh i didn't well it took me a while to warm up to gene a couple years context i brought this yeah. cat home after yes. finding him behind the dumpster against john's wishes um and uh as we already a, had a cat as assertion of my sovereignty in the household um shortly after jill moved into the house <laughs> and um after after the demise of poutine um i found this cat uh who was skin and bones almost starved to death uh kind of a real rascal um and had some uh unfortunate gastrointestinal issues for the first year he was pretty horrible to begin with let's not let's be real he it was not he was not a treat he improved vastly over the we first put a lot year of work or two into him. yeah but um he was a guy that i i you know he kind of i found him at work instant connection um he's been a just a just a great little companion um lots of personality very uh very affectionate um but uh Yeah, um, extreme. Yeah, extremely good-natured. Um, extremely good-natured, just completely innocent, guileless, uh, out out in the open. Um, he was a bit of a scaredy cat. Um, he, <laughs> except a scaredy cat to women, uh, especially. Yeah, he would afraid hide of all women afraid. but me. Yeah, uh, but loved the boys. Yeah, a uh, true uh, man's man. <laughs> Is that his ghost in the I basement that was knocking Gene something in, over? In the basement. Yeah, <laughs> something just fell over in the basement. Yeah, let's say that was Gene haunting. Uh, he's still here. <laughs> still knocking things over, folks. Still knocking over stuff from the afterlife. <laughs> um, I what think if, that was uh, uh... Poltergeists are just the uh, spirits of of uh, deceased cats. I I suspect. Well. I'll attribute it to Gene, but I, I did um, probably precariously uh, lean some Ikea pieces in the basement. Whatever. It's the same. <laughs> same difference. Same difference. But yeah, no, Gene, Gene was great. I think uh, everyone loved him except for whatever neighbor's yard he went to poop in. Yeah, whoever's flower bed. Because he certainly did not yeah, use the ours. little box. I'm sure he was somebody's enemy, much much as the orange cat is our enemy. Uh, I'm sure Gene was somebody else's nemesis out there in the neighborhood, although he never ended up on the neighborhood cat Facebook group. Um, I was sure his clown collar was going to do it. I was. I thought he would get on there, but um, you know, kids would visit. He'd be uh, rolling around on the sidewalk. Um, people always love to see him outside. Uh, yeah, so we, 
you know, we had to, we've, this week has been about um, processing that grief and inviting the grief in, giving it some space and metabolizing it and moving through our... And passing it through our bodies. <laughs> Well, yeah, leaving it it outside of us. (laughs) Honestly, yeah, and I I think we just digging a hole, yeah, chucking it in. Certainly, the first this is the first day I think either of us has had a good sleep since that happened. So, yeah, geez, let me tell you, it adds up. Yeah, Uh, you can't uh, can't withstand too much all at once. Like there is such a thing as uh, well, you can tell how mental illness forms yeah it forms through um uh through a period of unrelenting trauma <laughs> yeah whether you don't get a break to process or you don't have a ritual or um or uh techniques that yeah. you've been taught to um, well and and we again we're lucky that isn't... we've we've reached the yeah. point where we have the material resources and the base yeah because to... we're not talking about self-care here we're talking yeah. about being able to physically confront reality in all its yeah uh glory and horror and uh and accept it yeah you need that that solid base i mean both of us uh come from from low-income backgrounds i i grew up uh on welfare being evicted from houses um and and all of these things so it's yeah it's easier i think for us to also see the the difference now in our lives of when bad things happen how much easier it is to roll with the punches when we've got a solid floor under our feet that isn't constantly shifting or yeah where you have a safe place to to live you have your your bills are paid you have enough food you have clothing you can afford to take your cat to the vet you can afford to take your cat to the vet we universal vet care now i know absolutely Neighborhood vet that you just uh, paid government employee. You take your animal to the the neighborhood clinic. Also, a great it's a great cooperative enterprise uh, idea there for all much you, like all you dentistry. Uh, the profit does need to, to be taken out of veterinary me- medicine. Sorry, vets. <laughs> yeah, I mean you can still your trade will still exist in a future utopia, um, and you will still get rightly compensated for it uh but we're just gonna take all this nonsense out yeah maybe you're driving a uh, audi instead of a porsche uh (laughs) some might prefer an audi instead of a porsche true um so yeah we we've uh sort of um my barometer for going through it um is is my house plants um before one more thing is like um part of like the material basis of weathering trauma is uh, is a relationships and a yes, community and family. True. Yeah, all those things you need those things to help you process, to vocalize, to go back and forth with. Well, and it's to learn the ways to to process trauma. Yeah, uh, that's how you do it. To fit, be like end with a pandemic. That is something that we don't don't have either. Um, like hugs, close proximity to people. I am also extremely, uh, extremely sensitive and introverted, and I like a lot of space. But I also like being around people, just being quiet uh, amongst them, or being loud, or being in 
in the background of a, like a hustle and bustle and like that is very calming uh to me and lots of people need need that yeah um activity that is also like a material thing um yeah i think that's um you know for us uh we have each other um even with isolation orders um you know we've got each other i'm still going to work so there's still some people around but if you were a single person who had lost your pet that you'd had through the pandemic um you know that would be so much tougher uh to really deal with um when that was maybe your only other uh living companion so again we're lucky in that way absolutely rest in power jean yes you will be missed um yeah so we're we're starting to to feel like we're coming up out um a little bit here this weekend uh as i was i started yeah as i started saying um i uh i started caring about plants i'd say in my my mid-20s about the same time i met john um it was actually the time that i um my grandpa didn't pass away but i lost my connection with him because he wasn't able to talk on the phone anymore and i've been really really close to him for a long time and um after i lost that connection um you know he was somebody who loved plants who gardened retired farmer um thinking about gardening and growing plants um sort of brought that connection back a little bit and uh i went from killing every single plant to only killing one out of five plants you up to your ratio that i brought home so many of these plants have been alive for almost 10 years some of these plants, some, uh, of some of these plants. Um, and, uh, but my sort of, I view some of them as my uh, sort of depression or going through it barometer. Um, some of them are fine. You cannot water them for months. Um, and I do prepare, I, I prefer the more immortal a plant is, the better. I, I don't really like the delicate um the plants that need babying but um i like to have one or two around where if you don't water it for a week it will start to show you um because for me that's always a very potent visual that oh i'm not feeling great um and i'm starting to ignore the plants i'm i'm actually physically not looking at them if you're depressed, your your plants are depressed. Yes. Water them. <laughs> um, and so that actually was yesterday. I was looking at the begonia and I was like, oh, the begonia's drooping. Um, I must, uh, this has definitely been a week. And um, I haven't even, I haven't even looked at the garden this week. Um, so I, I, that's always a good sign for me. Um, so uh rallying um sleep uh today we've sort of started doing some of the things that can help um make hard times feel like transition times like times that are potent for change rather than just ends yeah exactly because like the hard hard things that happen like that's life that's reality right like we all come into this world we all die like there's only we know how the, we know how it ends yeah uh the sweet life obviously 
isn't just all fun and games, although we want it to be, and often is. Yeah. Um, but like the uh, everything is out of our hands and out of our control, and pandemic times are hammering that through over and over and over again. Uh, all of our existences are hanging by a hair's breadth. <laughs> well, there are some things about it. you can do. There are some there are things you can, you can do, but you have to be able to differentiate between what you can control and what you can't. And uh, one of the things we can control is getting rid of a lot of the junk in our house. <laughs> Uh, yes. This is an annual ritual for us. I, especially with my uh, Ukrainian blood flowing through my veins, I love keeping stuff. I love it so much. I love finding stuff. Would you say that you are a hoarder? <laughs> no, I am trying to defeat... Would people who know you consider you a hoarder? Maybe. Um, maybe, but I'm trying to be better. I'm trying to be better. people who live with you... Say that you are a hoarder. Okay. Some of those people are not recognizing the gains that I have made in the last few years here. Some of them do recognize them. <laughs> Anyways, uh, it, it's sort of our annual tradition is um, through the winter, we'll put things that we intend to give away or don't need anymore in the sunroom. And by spring, there is a uh, pile of junk in there. Um, and so at some point in the spring, um, it's it's sunroom day. And so today was that day. Uh, went through the sunroom. Sunroom day is a good day. Yeah, it's a good day. You know um, it's summertime. We so we'll we have a load that we'll take to donate. Um some this is a lot of this is Back uh, to the Valley Village from the previous episode. From whence it came. Um <laughs> and uh it's all going it's all going away. Um a lot of this is stuff that John has been clearing out systematically over the winter uh, from from our basement. Uh, but this has been a continual process. I think both of us, again, come from backgrounds where uh, getting things wasn't as easy. Um, I know I certainly... I, I held on to more books and clothes as a younger person uh, because acquiring them was more difficult we have depression era relationships to <laughs> to uh possessions things. yeah so we're we're trying to fight against that i have uh you think of of her methods what you will um but i have done the marie kondo thing oh. like i said think of it what you will um but i have definitely gotten rid of a lot of stuff that way and actually what has cured me somewhat of my of my habits has been um a history of working in used bookstores or antique shops realizing how easy it is um to actually acquire these things you don't need to keep them in your house you can go out and find them if you need them correct especially yeah books are dirt cheap yep Yet we have so many. <laughs> I unfortunately, my taste in books has gotten so good. Um, Can't throw out anymore. Can't donate. All anymore. the ones I I do actually, most of the ones I bring into the house are keepers. Um, so same I, with me and records. Yes. Yeah. They're they're just too good. <laughs> they're just too my good. My taste in music is just too good. To be fair to us, our house is very small, and this 
while that we, is the main thing. <laughs> while We've we reached, do have a lot of books and capacity. records. Yeah. Um, Please help us. Okay, so. Please not, take our stuff away. This is, we're not as bad as some places I've seen. We do not have, like, books and records piled along the walls um, or what have you. <laughs> um, we're we're not as bad as Red River Books. No, no. It's, At least we've got that going. We've for got us. that. Um, but uh, we're we're sort of this has been a, a last few years project as we've been going through and and amalgamating, I guess, our households. We moved in together nine years ago, about, um, and it's sort of just been a, a continual process of of amalgamating two adult households into one. Yeah, I guess so, and. <laughs> decades long project of unpacking it it really did take me three or four years to actually fully unpack from when i first moved in here but yeah like that's another thing like your relationship to to stuff gets skewed um due to like how what your conditions were when you're when you're growing up yeah like if things are hard to come by yeah you're gonna hang on to anything that drifts your way uh, and you're going to be, uh, you're not going to be letting it go uh, very easily. Yeah. And, and I, I, think... I don't think neither of us are heading to a situation where we are minimalists or anything not like at that. All. That's not happening. Although That's it, not us. I want to be. <laughs> and, I, I th I... Th and I thought I was. Um, I thought I was like above, like, uh, ooh, I am not a consumerist. I don't, I don't buy things to make to make myself feel good. Oh, I do. I don't shop. I do. I don't do I the shopping shop. therapy <laughs> and all that stuff. But like, yeah, of course I do. Uh, we all do. Uh, we all do in some way. Like, you can't avoid it. It's the uh, it's the air that we breathe. Like, we do. You buy stuff, it stays in your house. Eventually... <laughs> you have yeah, to, I think both of us eventually have most of you, the... you cycle it through. Yeah, or think... that is like if you you reach a stage where your house gets full. Yeah, you expand to fit your environment like a fish, like a yes. goldfish. Yeah, and I think both of us have um, really consciously or not uh, moved towards spending money on um, things that we want to do. I guess rather than we're like we're really at capacity for things. Um, I don't really bring anything into the house without getting rid of another thing. Um, it's either like we're bringing a higher quality thing in and cycling out, um, but you know most of my money goes towards yarn or fabric or art supplies. Um, sort of those I want tools now. Yeah, those those making um use things that gardening. I spend a lot of money on gardening this time of year. On things I can use, something that I can use to make other things. Yeah. Um cuz that's that's fun. So I guess we're talking about yeah, the like things microphones the things that <laughs> for podcasts. Have you noticed how good our voices sound in this episode? Yeah, so but part of that too, I guess. So circling back, um of course like anyone um even though we uh are trying to fight the mindless consumer we of course do some consuming um and in times of stress i know for me um 
it isn't so much it partly is maybe the act of of buying and consuming that is comforting but it's for me it's more so having projects to look forward to i i feel like i'm i'm like a like a a squirrel or a mouse building my my nest and trying to accumulate um sort of future projects and project my life into the future in some way like if I buy yarn for a sweater if I buy fabric for a project that's I'm I'm making an investment in the future um in some way and so that's that's comforting at a, a time like that when you're dealing with those feelings of loss and uh the uh fragile nature of mortality in some way but anyways also the flip side of that is that getting rid of stuff feels real good um of course we are trying to hit a point where we're not getting rid of lots of stuff because we're really just holding on to the things or bringing in things that we want to keep but we haven't quite hit that equilibrium yet we're getting there though yeah we're getting there like there is um there's a momentary like novelty and joy of of acquiring and there is like also a just as good and but different and corresponding joy in casting away (laughs) in throwing things away in getting rid of things yeah like we were big um like there's um both both things are good like clearing things out physically and clearing things out mentally yeah uh that's a real (laughs) that's a real thing yeah it really exists it feels good like try it donate um i put a few things up on our uh community facebook some folks have stopped by and picked up some free things giving a few things away to friends um use those neighborhood facebook pages absolutely like like you can facebook is evil absolutely but uh giving away or getting free things on the facebook neighborhood page it rocks simply it rocks it rocks i just got i gotta shout out the uh the lord roberts facebook neighborhood page <laughs> it's it's awesome it's done us well. i love it yeah it's one of the things that i look forward to when i open up facebook is seeing what's going on yeah in the neighborhood absolutely which cats are wandering which cats around are being seen which dogs have escaped um you know what uh which neighbors complaining about what uh which things are free to come to come take or what neighbor has like a home-based uh business scheme that may or may not be practical (laughs) (laughs) uh it's it's brilliant like it's awesome yeah so i think we're we're feeling like we're getting back to a little bit more baseline um starting to do or restarting to do some of the things that uh help us feel alive and involved in the world um and of course it's spring uh lots of work to do in the garden lots of um we've got to set up the we rent a plot from the city so we've got to get out there pretty soon and make it look lived in um that's one of the rules got to go put up the fencing start getting things planted in there um yeah so there's we we took a bit of a pause uh not a total pause from life of course we're both we're working ready to get back in the game getting a little back getting our heads back in the game a little bit more yeah feels good and yeah that's literally what what life is ebbs and flows offs and ons ups and downs peaks mm-hmm. and valleys blah 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 
blah blah blah blah. <laughs> <laughs> so it goes. It's a life. Uh, it's a I guess stay change. tuned. The only uh, thing that's constant is change. Yeah. If uh, going through changes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if if we're still doing this podcast by fall, uh, we're gonna do cat free summer. Um, yeah, cat free summer, and then summer. hopefully adopt a new uh, a new little friend in the fall. Yeah, I get next. I get dibs. John thinks he gets to pick the next cat. <laughs> it's very cute. Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> John underestimates. Of course, uh, I know that I'm not going to get to pick the next cat. Uh, John underestimates the powers of attraction that I hold for cats. Uh, cats just kind of appear when the universe knows that I need one. Unfortunately, I'm trying to dampen these powers and not attract a new cat but uh this may or may not be something that i have power over i'm not sure when you live with with a cat person yeah these things just just happen cats just appear they just appear around them when we had a uh when we had a cat previous to gene we had margaret and um we got margaret from a friend of mine that we were keeping fostering long term it ended up we we kept margaret for the rest of the duration of her of her lifespan and uh jill was like one day you know what well she was um mate, talking about getting another cat and then one yeah. day she was like you know you just one cat is enough i thought okay yeah awesome great we live in a tiny house that's just <laughs> packed full, full of stuff there's not room for many uh sentient creatures in here let alone humans but then like of course of course <laughs> like a then that's when we got Gene. Yeah. Gene, <laughs> uh, that's when the Jill universe got Jean. Uh, revealed Gene to me. That's just how it was. So, um, so I think maybe like you actually like meant and intended that one cat was enough, but like because I you're a cat person, they just manifested. Uh, yeah, I manifested Gene. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a good fit. And we. Uh, and our relationship was tested. <laughs> Uh, but we enjoyed but uh, we enjoyed having Gene here with us for the time that he was here. Funny how the circle turns around. First you're up, and then you're down again. Though the circle takes what it may give, each time around it makes it. Indeed. And yeah, to, to top it off and and uh speaking of of changes, yesterday yeah. a bunch of people gathered at the at the forks cuz they don't like changes very much. Yeah. Or something. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the And uh, we have to address it cuz we're in Winnipeg. It's yeah. the we're the worst covid rates in in north america it's right getting now. harder and harder it's harder to, to ignore it well to ignore and to even um for me i i guess like at the beginning um when people were anti-mask it was like okay i mean that's stupid but 
uh, this is something that's new, um, everyone wearing a mask. But now, I mean, little kids have been wearing masks for over a year straight. Um, and uh, it's fine. <laughs> They're fine. There are other things that have made kids not fine. Lack of extracurricular activities, um, remote schooling, whether or not they are equipped for that. But the masks are not, speaking as a teacher, interacting with literally hundreds of kids every day, uh, they're okay. It's fine. It's absolutely fine. I'm telling it you, the teenagers, some of them actually really love the masks. Uh, wearing a mask when you are hitting puberty and you are starting to break out and grow disgusting facial hair. It's a, some of them are really... It's a blessing. They, they really like it. And we appreciate it, too. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. But, um, but no, the thing is, if you have a problem with wearing masks, you the masks aren't your problem, okay? Yeah. It's not a problem. If you have a problem wearing a mask and you're a, an able-bodied grown-up, you you have a problem. You have a problem <laughs> you, because you are a baby. You, in fact, might be the problem. You, in fact, might be the problem. And you probably don't realize that if you like freedom and want freedom and enjoy having freedom for yourself and people around you that uh like that's not going to happen through not wearing a mask no it, in fact it's the opposite yeah and it's not going to happen through not getting vaccinated either for whatever no. reason you might have whether you're a conspiracy theorist or you're just lazy or afraid of needles the way to become the way that we're going to be free of this her like just ridiculous pandemic is by getting vaccinated and wearing a mask you want your freedom don't be a baby get vaccinated vaccination um i've, I've heard this from some people just like well everyone else is getting it and it's i'll, I'll benefit from herd immunity well that's not for you herd that's that's for people for that's hurt for people who can't get it because they are dealing with a condition or or whatever it is um, it's not for folks who can get vaccinated. That's not the point. Yeah. And we're talking about earlier about life being about confronting reality and all its glories and horrors. Yeah. Uh, you're, you need to confront the reality of this virus, of this pandemic, of the, of the situation that we're in in Manitoba, which has been uh, created for us because of our provincial government not confronting the reality yeah and not taking it seriously by making choices that prioritize profit over people um the we're 15 months in and now uh the worst in north america we're shipping people outside of the province to get treated uh in ontario um our icus are stuffed to the max these are just facts you can't dispute them no there's nothing you, you can do about it and anyone who's if you're gathering at your church or at uh or at a rally at the forks you are refusing to confront reality well and i will say as somebody who worked uh about 15 years in customer service and retail that 
some of the people that I see um, who are doing things like going into stores and um, not wearing masks and berating um, people who work there. Or um, one I saw was people calling around to funeral homes, asking if they've had more funerals, trying to do their own sort of on the ground research somehow. Um, Like, I see you. And anyone who's worked in retail sees you. Uh, you were probably doing these things to make other people's lives more difficult before the pandemic. And you've simply found a new way to do it. Um, and it's just, it, it, I don't know. I, I don't know what the, the way around it, but it's... it's um, uh, you don't simply have to respect somebody's right to refuse to be a a contributing member of society in the same way that you uh, don't have to accept that um, a customer going off on a rant at a worker is okay. Exactly. Uh, it's the same vibe. It comes from a similar place, um, a, a similar lack of mechanism in society for people to explain why things are bad um, and to healthily metabolize or deal with those things um, that leads them to rant at retail workers or whatever it is. Yeah. And I want to be clear, I'm like speaking directly to people of my demographic, um, largely white, middle class uh, more well-to-do yeah. male uh, people and not uh, service workers who have to go to, to have to go to work not or have all. been yeah. um, maybe are uh, are not getting the messaging for whatever reason are not able to get vaccinated because they can't get time off work or if they have underlying health conditions that don't allow them to uh, to participate I'm like speaking like directly to my cohort um in life yeah in southern manitoba here um please consider that the people uh telling you that vaccines or masks are bad don't have your best interests uh, no. in mind or in fact uh only have their interests in mind and perhaps that's a monetary interest um also consider that if you have an interest in conspiracy whatever Maybe it's gotten Just a little go bit back, out of hand. Go a back to out the of lizard hand. people. Go back to the. Go back to the lizard people. Go back go, to UFOs. Just bask go there. Go back to lizard billionaires running. Yeah. You know, like yeah, Bill Gates is bad, obviously, um, but he's not bad because he's controlling us through uh, vaccinations or whatever. I don't even know what this what the stuff is. No. Um. It's please please consider that uh, reality could just be staring you in the face and that there's things that you can do to protect yourself and the people around you that yeah. are extremely simple to do and are not scary at all. If you're able, if you're able to do it. Yeah. If I know, if you happen to be listening to this and you know me, <laughs> you can contact me and I will help you <laughs> to do it. Uh, yeah. It's not that it's not that difficult. Um, well, and once you do it, it's sort of, um, I think part of it too is, is people really 
holding on to that anger and outrage because they are angry and outraged um about things um and they they've never been taught how to let go or they've never been given the tools they need or they don't have the resources they need to feel like they're in control of of other aspects of life um in some ways and uh but just i guess take that advice that uh if you, if you will that it if you just got a vaccine you could stop thinking about this you wouldn't right this would this would be behind you you will survive you'll be fine talk to me john about got the clots. john got the az and he's he, here he is i am fine i feel great <laughs> i feel great no it's not like literally you will the chances of you getting a major getting uh having like major health complications from covid far outweigh anything that you're going to get yeah. from a vaccination mm -hmm. if you don't want a 5g chip in you just say why, no why not it's, <laughs> it's not going to do anything if you think that the chinese or the fbi or whatever want to track you they're already doing it we already have phones don't yeah. worry about it well uh, let's uh maybe we want to wrap up a little bit and not get too carried away with the ranting yeah well on stop our ranting end. but uh <laughs> like you know you know what we mean please, you know what you got to do please consider that you know what what you got to do if you want like up to date um on the ground reporting of what uh the pandemic is like in manitoba i recommend following scott billick on twitter uh bartley kivas is good too and um I'm sure there's a bunch of other people. Talk to whatever <laughs> essential service workers you may know. Ask them what life is like for them. Uh, frontline workers, have a care for retail workers and people, anyone who has to work not from home uh, right now. If you are a small business person, like there's, I'm sorry, dude, or ma'am, or or whichever, uh whichever honorific you you go by um you're we're all caught we're all caught in the system and um the health and welfare of your employees or if you're a landlord your renters are is more important than what than the money that you that you that you make it just flat out is um they are more precarious than you they are more important than you in fact, let's put it that way. So think about think about other people, um, especially people who are not in the same uh, socioeconomic circumstances as you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Chances are you know a lot of them already. Okay. Or maybe not. So let's wrap it up we'll wrap and up. say uh, if you are listening, thank you for listening. Uh, this episode is dedicated to the memory of our sweet, sweet boy, Eugene. Gene the machine. If he, he'll know he's in hell if Margaret is there. <laughs> uh, we wish uh, Margaret free uh, eternal life for our little buddy. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, peace be to you all and all your loved ones. May we all be well. 
and may we all make it uh, make it through this. I hope to see you around the bonfire. Peace out. Peace out.